Welcome to the Break the Chains, Find Your Flame podcast. My name is Steve Wopolinik. I'm a licensed mental health counselor and one of the founders of the Promethean Project. Our guests are people who have broke the chains of their limitations and found the strength of their potential. We offer their stories as inspiration and as guidance to help others navigate their quest to find their flame. Welcome back to episode 61. As always, your host, Steve Opolinik for the Break the Chains, Find Your Flame podcast. Our guest today is Tara Wozniski, and we are so honored to have her as a, a guest on our podcast. I met her through Instagram and her um, connection with a past guest on our podcast, Dr. Christopher Willard, and everything she posts is fantastic her tag is mindfulness creative and that is what this whole podcast is about is how to use mindfulness and creativity to help regulate and then also to explore your creative natures and find a sense of community and connection we talk about how she applies this in her life but also how she weaves this into her work with working with children through artistic endeavors, also applying mindfulness in the work that they do in a way that is not your stereotypical mindfulness practice. We also talk about some of her interests in astrophysics and the galaxy and how this relates to some of the creative practices she does with the kids that she works with. And we find out that she is a practicing light weaver in some of her most recent community projects where she's working with using uh, optics to weave with actual light. So definitely take a listen to the podcast. And also, if you listen carefully, you will find out that feelings are like farts. In a world where humanity's potential is imprisoned and locked away, our only hope is to break the chains and find our flame. Welcome to the podcast. Our guest today is Tara Wasiski. Thanks for being here. It's great to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I became aware of you because of your connection with Dr. Christopher Willard. And I think a while ago, I started following you on your Instagram handle, uh, Mindfulness Creative, uh, yeah. because the two of you were working on a mindfulness challenge for a certain month. Um, and so that's kind of how I, I, I got to know you. And then through the course of Instagram, as it is, you know, you get to learn about what people are doing and the interests that they have. And I just felt like you'd be a great guest for the podcast to, to heighten <laughs> more about mindfulness, creativity, and, and nature, and, and how that all kind of combines into one. Yeah. Um, but before we get into the questions I have planned, do you have, um, could you do like a quick introduction for our listeners of just who you are, what your passions are and how you came to be, um, where you are right now in life? Sure. Um, my name is Tara. I teach lower school art at a Quaker school in New Jersey, Morristown Friends School. I've been here for a while. Um, and I mean, I started out 
you know, in grad school, learning about neurology, really, I had a neurology professor that sort of figured out that I had some learning differences. It wasn't really until grad school. And this guy, you know, knew the brain and, and understood my brain. And he sort of lit the passion in me to understand it. And then from there, I came to teach at Morristown Friends. And it's a Quaker school. So we do a lot of contemplative practices. And through that, I found mindfulness. Um, and I teach art to lower schoolers, preschool through fifth grade. And it all really just began to mesh really well. And then mindfulness became a little more mainstream, a little more widely accepted into the school setting, the classroom. And it just was a very, very natural flow and it connects to creativity incredibly well. That's awesome. That's sort of like where it brought me. And I've done lots of professional developments and things like that along the way, but I have remained, my locus has been here at the school. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I think I think so many people's journey starts with some kind of personal relationship to like the topic at hand that they end up getting into and whether it's a calling or whether it's just um, by happenstance of life, kind of fo following this niche or following like what comes up for you and exploring that. And I think it's fantastic that you you had that person who could kind of help guide you in that way. Oh, yeah, he was pivotal. I mean, he really he was so interesting. He was a a neurologist in the Czech Republic and came to the United States and he couldn't practice medicine. So he thought, you know, the next best thing was to teach educators about the brain. And, you know, he lit a passion in me now. It's been, I mean, I'm not going to say how long, but a long time. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. Uh, yeah. 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 I really, I really like um, how people can, I like it when people can kind of diffuse the concept of the brain into many different ways. I'm a huge fan of uh, Dr. Rick, Rick Hansen and, you know, Buddha's brain. And there's another another one that I have that I haven't read yet. I think it's like Neurodharma. Neurodharma. Yeah, yeah, I have it. I have it on my nightstand and I've, I've leafed through it. I have so many books on my nightstand. And I, <laughs> you know, it's like I want to read them all all at once, but you can't. So, but I'm working my way through that one. It's actually very good too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like his books because I don't think you sit down and just read it cover to cover. I think mm -hmm. it's something that you read and you digest as you go through and you play around with it. And I actually, I'm a, I'm a mental health counselor and actually use a lot of his examples in, in sessions. Specifically, there's one in Buddha's brain where he's talking about um, this concept of, of ranking survival threats as like a higher uh, thing we need to pay attention than reward. Um, and he yeah. uses Jurassic Park as an example. Oh, that's and great. For me, being a huge geek, as you could probably see, I have Captain America shields and everything oh, nice. behind me. Um, I always kind of set up this story with people around Jurassic World or Jurassic Park about running. And then would you rather choose your favorite meal as you're running through the cafeteria or mm. to not get eaten by T-Rex? Um, mm. But I joke around all the time because T-Rex is now a good guy if you watch the movies. And so he always comes and saves <laughs> the people in the course of the movie plot line now. So. Oh, that's good. I do love a T-Rex. Yeah. And I should actually say she because all the dinosaurs are um, female in Jurassic Park. So. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's, it's one of the cornerstones of they made a, all the dinosaurs female, but then they cross generated DNA with a toad that can change its sex in, in, if there's a threat. And that's why they started repopulating over the island. So very interesting. 
I think I need to watch this. I think I think my my kids are finally like age appropriate to watch Jurassic Park and not yeah. I've been debating sleep over it. My daughter's gonna be seven, and I've been debating like where she needs to be to to watch the originals. And she she says she's ready. Yeah. Um, so my daughter is seven, also. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I think that's it's seven or eight probably is the right around time, good time yeah. to do it. I mean, there are things that happen that aren't so pretty. Although I told my daughter about it, and she's like, "Yeah, no big deal, Dad." I don't care yeah. if someone loses their arm. Like, yeah, okay. you know, it's funny too, because I'll bring I'll bring the mindfulness practices into those situations with my kids, being aware of their feelings um, and like, you know, what's happening in your body right now. And then she's like, oh, come on, mom, stop. Like, I, like, I don't need mindfulness while I watch a movie. And I'm like, but it's a great opportunity to um, tune into your physiology and realize what's happening when there really isn't a threat, but you're, it's like a perceived threat. Right. Yeah. Spooky movies. We just had, this just happened over Halloween. You know, we were watching, I can't remember what it was, maybe Igor or something, but, um, you know, there was this part and I said, oh, is your heart beating? Is it racing? Like pay attention to that, you know, and uh, what can we do to, you know, regulate it? And that's when she was like, oh, come on. We're just trying to have fun. So, yeah. <laughs> I, get, I get the same she's thing. Right. I get the same thing when we're doing breath control or anything like that. And she'll be like, mm-hmm. leave me alone. I don't want to do that breath right now. And like, I know. Yeah. And, but then she will eventually do it because she knows, you know, mm-hmm. it's helpful. But yeah. So, I mean, we took a, a tour down Jurassic Park and that's my <laughs> my fault. But yeah, you know, I think like we're getting back to Rick Hansen. I mean, I think one of the things with, with neuroscience kind of stuff is it's not uh, cover to cover read. It's it's like digesting and really trying to internalize the concept and play around with, OK, well, how may that work in my favor or how does that come up for me and, and pay attention to that? And then also I am one of those people just like you who has stacks of books right right next to the bed. And some of them are on neuroscience or polyvagal theory or, you know, uh, generational trauma. And then other things are just Mm -hmm. fantasy books because I need kind of palate cleanse in between some of the intensity of, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand that. I'll I'll say like my palate cleanser, if I'm needing a break is I'll, um, (laughs) It's kind of interesting, but I'm really into um, like quantum physics as a, just as a a onlooker hobby. Like I don't particularly understand all of the threads and all of the particles, but it's something that I really, I really am fascinated by. It's, it's, it's like magic to me, you know? And so that's where I'll go if I need to take a break from, you know, hardcore study or research or anything like that. But that's like my, that's my nerdy hobby, I guess. No, you, know, it's of, you know, I create like I'm a big weaver. You can see this big weaver. Yeah, that's me. awesome. Um, so I do a lot of creative, expressive things. Um, but that is sort of maybe people don't know my my nerdy side of being really into quantum physics. I think that's important is to have something that's like challenging for you to okay, maybe my brain doesn't think exactly in this way or generally mm-hmm. doesn't relate to all these other parts that it that function really well, but it's a good way to create that beginner's mindset right like hey, absolutely an interest and I don't know anything about it let me pay attention to it and yeah and you know my kids are fine you know they find it interesting and um, it's something I can share with them as I learn things here and there along the way and yeah it definitely feeds that um, I'm a very curious person by nature and I don't think there's anything for me anyway that I find more like curiosity provoking than than that and so I find a lot of like gratification, I guess, and in, yeah. in the curiosity of that. 
I think is actually really cool because, you know, people think of quantum physics and, and science of that nature. And I agree with you. It is very magical, you know, the mm-hmm. true sense of magic in, in the natural world. And yeah. I think it's really interesting because it's often separated from creative aspects, right? It's like, oh, okay, you do this or you do this. And they don't necessarily flow. And you always talk about different parts of the brain. They do different things. And so some people are stronger in this. But I remember geometry, even before geometry, because we grew up with like Disney shows and movies. And I think it was Donald Duck, mm-hmm. maybe, who introduced the topic of the golden ratio. Um, I can't remember if it That's was awesome. Donald Duck or not, but there was this concept of the golden ratio. And I remember it was reintroduced in geometry when I was in ninth grade. And I already had seen the video, but what really spoke to me more was just how they were talking about how it represents itself in nature. Oh, yeah. And, it's you know, beautiful. this concept that's used for art and geometry all the time, but also just natural kind of connections to this bigger picture. Yeah, you probably find it in this weaving behind me. I'm sure it's in there somewhere. And we, we gravitate towards it as humans, as what's aesthetically pleasing to us. Mm-hmm. You know, it just so happens that it's this crazy, you know, amazing mathematical equation also that is repeated throughout all kinds of, of natural objects, which is, it's so cool. It's so cool. Yeah, it's very awesome. And I think one of the biggest things for me is when my daughter was born and having her see the world through a lens is very reminded. It, it reminds me a lot of time to take that that step back and say, oh yeah, there is beauty in these rocks, even though it can be frustrating or just trying to go for a walk and you have 50 rocks <laughs> in your hand to hold on to, but there is beauty in these things. It doesn't have to be overproduced like some of the societal messages we're bombarded with every day. I know. Yeah. And I, so in my teaching too, just thinking about your daughter collecting the rocks, my daughter's a big collector too. Um, So in my teaching, one of the things that I do all the time, besides including mindfulness into the work, what I realized as a pattern over the years is that um, watching my students discover awe gives them more purpose in their learning. So in the last two or three years, I've just been really focused on providing awe sort of all-inducing experiences for the kids, bigger projects, you know, large-scale projects, but down to the micro, and then sort of um, using mindfulness to get kids to discover all within themselves. And then I have seen their confidence just go up and up and up. And one of the luxuries of my job is I teach preschool through fifth grade. So if kids are enrolled in our school for a long time, I watch them grow every year as a special area teacher. So I get to really see, you know, their progress um, level up and and their mastery of the skills that I'm teaching them, but also, you know, the embodiment of all of those practices that we do. Like we do, I do all kinds of creative practices in here with mindfulness and it's sort of just interwoven into my curriculum. I don't necessarily sort of separate it out as a standout thing. Sometimes I will, like we'll do breath practices and things like that, but, one of those things, just your, the collecting of the rocks, I, you know, it sort of emerged over time watching awe become this more and more prevalent um, leader in my teaching. It sort of showed itself. And so I'm kind of really leaning heavily into that, you know, that and, and gratitude, doing like really designed gratitude practices and self-compassion practices. And they all lend themselves, I think, to being able to find those awe experiences in the big and the small. Yeah, I think that's awesome. 
and in exactly what you're talking about like mindfulness lends itself into that as well because of just like the nervous system regulation you need to be at to do yep. these kind of things and that engrossing kind of nature of these projects that you're talking about and, and kind of get creating that feedback and that cyclical nature of you know you can do these things as coping skills right but you can also do these things as ways to be generative to yourself and to to move forward and kind of grow as an individual as well yeah and as a learner you know i mean i'm here all the time with these kids and and my job is to teach them specific core components of my art curriculum you know the elements and principles of design and um, i'm lucky in that it's a creative field it's visual art so i have and here our school is very supportive of um you know, expanding and changing our curriculum all the time. So I'm able to really try new things out, which is great for my own creative self, you know, my curiosities. Right. Um, yeah, and seeing, seeing children be able to discover and uncover things in themselves through the, through the different materials and then through the different projects. So, and I'll do projects that are individual projects with my students, they'll work on their own work. But then we also do a lot of community work, which obviously with COVID, um, you know, took, suffering much like you know everything else mm -hmm. um but we still were able to pull out a few really cool community projects i had to think differently you know teaching online back in 2019 and we were in person last year but it was very different i was on a cart you know i didn't have my studio so that right. was really different but we still did a community a community project and last year i based it in connection everything was called everything is connected and i really wanted to push that concept when we felt so separated um, and just finding all those ways to to bring ourselves connected. And we, we actually, we, we focused a lot on outer space and, and how we're connected to that, even though it's so far away, we sort of like pulled that into our own little like cluster of stars here, right? All the students were a star and we were, you know. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, because we, we are like in Quaker, we have the inner, our inner light. And so stars, I have like, we made, we made these. Oh, cool. Window stars, yeah, they're Waldorf window stars, and they're really meditative to fold. And if you if you go on my Instagram, there's actually a lot of if you scroll back, there's a lot of posts about those stars and then how tos and things like that. Last year, as I was doing this, everything is connected um, community project. And this year, <laughs> the community project we're doing this year, I'm, I'm really excited about. It's a big weaving, a little smaller than the one behind me, and we're going to use um, like a very dark blue fabric for the background, but then we're going to weave with fiber optic cables. Oh, wow. And yeah, so that it's based, it's sort of based in this understanding of finding all within ourselves and understanding better our physiological pathways and how that can sort of inform our life's path. Uh, um, you know, it's very, very artsy, as they would say, <laughs> link those two things together. But I think a weaving is the perfect thing to do it. And to weave with light is is just magical in itself for me. I, you know, I really think my students are going to be excited about it. And so that's what we're doing right now. We're doing small studies, little mock-ups with LED lights, and then we'll do the big one with the, with the fiber optic cables. So stay tuned. That's <laughs> we'll see so, how it goes. <laughs> there's so many things I want to get into that. One, let me just get really corny with you for a second is that okay. one of my favorite fantasy writers uh, creates this, this world of Stormlight Archive is like the series of books that he does. His name is Brandon Sanderson. And one of the magical powers is light weaving in it. And so when you were talking really? about like, yeah, weaving with light, I just kind of nerded out for a second because uh, light weavers are artists who can kind of create illusions using light. 
and kind of create different aspects to happen and change the way they look just like that is awesome you know kind of coloring and painting in real life um wow. so i just got really nerdy <laughs> there for a second i'm so excited i'm gonna have to look this up yeah, he, yeah he's great he's a prolific writer so his books are about like 1500 pages each so okay it's a slog but it's well worth it it's fantastic that's so cool light weavers yes well we actually will be light weavers yes this year in the lower school that would be great yeah. Um, oh that's so cool and i like like that concept was that part of the curriculum to do community projects or was that something that really spoke to you that you really wanted to make sure that that got yeah. in there yeah that's that's me it sort of evolved over time it just made a lot of sense our school it's a small school we do we do a lot of community-based things so i mean it's really in line with where i teach to do these community projects but it is definitely um a core component of my curriculum that has evolved over time that has become sort of like a um the thing that the students look forward to i feel like the most they're like what's our community project this year you know miss w that's what they call me and i'll do one with like a partner grade level and then we do one with the whole preschool through fifth grade where everybody has hands-on yeah yeah i think especially with COVID, like you said but i think just in general like mm -hmm. that community essence and, and giving back to the community in a in a young way even if it's uh, you, you know not necessarily volunteering but like creating art or creating something for people to view and appreciate i think is super generative just in general to to have that in the back of your mind you talked about compassion and gratitude and i think that's, that's a really nice well i that's a really nice way to put like uh the arts like it's a generative thing for community i i hadn't yeah. I mean, I've definitely thought that, but to hear someone else say it feels really nice. So thank you. Oh, no problem. Thank you. Yeah. And then also, you know, with COVID, right? Like, so this is my last point on <laughs> the community things, that connections, I think, is, is so strong because I really feel like, you know, as COVID came out and we had to isolate, it really solidified, like created stronger boundaries of us versus them in mm -hmm. just the you know, cerebral kind of thinking of like, okay, who do I have to protect? Who's part of my bubble? Who's part of my tribe? And then how do I do that? And I think that's really what we're facing kind of coming out of it. Mix in, you know, social justice that that come up over the years and, you know, all this inequality and things like that. But I think just generally the way we view as COVID kind of progressed, the way we viewed the situations was a very big us versus them mentality. And um, I think it's hard to build resilient, resilience out of coming out of that because, you know, just going to a grocery store and say, oh, that person's walking down the aisle the wrong way. What are you doing? Like, why are you doing that? You know, yeah. it, it's a hard thing to recover from, but I, I like how your project was about connection and challenging Thanks. that. Yeah, there's a great book um, called Everything is Connected by Jason Gould. I hope I'm saying it's Gould. I don't know how to say his last name, but. And it's it's a lovely book. It's mindfulness infused. Everything is connected. It brings you know, it's really good. So if uh, any of your listeners out there want to have a good book on connection for kids, that's that's a really good one. I see you have some of Chris's books behind you, Alpha Breath yeah. and the Breathing Book. They're so good. Yeah, they're fantastic. We used, I actually got to see him speak at um, a con uh, the Harvard conference a couple of years ago um, mm -hmm. on mindfulness and meditation. And I actually did the mindfulness course that he offers through Pezzi. 
and um, the great. certification course. And so I, I picked up that book, um, I think right before he was on the podcast when I interviewed him, I mm-hmm. picked it up. And, you know, the breathing book was fantastic because I did that with my daughter and Alpha Breast was just so accessible for people to focus on breathing and have fun with it as opposed to like, you have to be a monk and breathe yeah. like this. Yeah, it's it's such a great book. There's he's actually got it's called Alpha Breaths Two. Him and Daniel have the the sequel yeah. is coming out. Yeah, sooner yeah, I think. I'm excited. I saw that, and then I saw the the cards that he had coming out. Yeah, the Ninja really Warriors. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he and I have collaborated on, on on numerous projects. Actually, we've done those those challenges that you said on Instagram. I think we've done three or four of those um, monthly challenges together, and written two books uh they're both coming out i guess in the next year and a half you'd be surprised at how long it actually takes to get a book like to come out from like when the time you write it to, yeah, to find that it actually gets published is remarkably longer than than i would have imagined i'm i'm a new author he's a pretty vetted author yeah. um and yeah i i actually met chris at a mindfulness conference and that's that's how we met and we just got along really well and he was interested in how I was doing creativity and mindfulness in the classroom and yeah we just struck up a friendship and then over over COVID really we wrote these two books and so the first one is called The Life of a Crayon. I'm so excited for that it it keeps seeing both of you post updates about it so I can't wait until it comes out. Yeah and then the other one is really silly it's called Feelings Are Like Farts. (laughs) That's perfect my daughter will love it a hundred percent. And that one, uh, yeah, that one we're still like we're still editing and things like that. Um, That's really fun. So, so yeah, but that that is that is slated to come out also. I think twenty twenty three, maybe at the end. I'm not sure. But. That's okay. Well, feelings like farts coming out in a couple of years, so just stay tuned. I don't think my mm-hmm. daughter will grow out of that fart. I don't think any funny will. stage. So no, I man. Be good. I say farts are always funny. Always. Yeah. It's so funny because it's such a natural process of life, <laughs> yet it's so hilarious when things happen like that. It, it really is. It is. And yeah, it was my daughter. Like we were, I was tucking her in and we were talking about feelings are like clouds and how they pass by. And she, you know, tooted and she was like, well, they're like farts too, because sometimes they're just stinky and then it goes away. And I was like, that's, that's genius. Perfect. You're a genius. So I text Chris. I was like, oh, well, this is either going to be like, people are going to think I'm a loon or that we're a loony or it'll be, you know, a great book. And he's like, oh no, we're definitely going to write it. So oh, it's definitely we did. a great book. Yeah. No, I love it. Uh, you know, she's going to get older and expect a royalty on that (laughs) she'll get it she's gonna get a little dedication in the front for sure that's so good that's awesome what um obviously the friendship with Chris kind of helped you build that concept but did you ever think you'd be writing books or did you ever think that would be a medium that you would want to explore or work in yeah I you know it's a great lesson on self-limiting beliefs I yeah I think I always wanted to write kids books I just never thought I could and I just sort of believed that, which is sad, I think, um, that I really believed that because clearly it's not true, right? Right. Um, circumstances lined themselves up in a way where I was able to. Um, and I think that was just a really good life lesson for me. So yes, I've always wanted to write kids' books. In fact, I've I've written creative writing was my outlet as as an adolescent, you know, creative writing, making music, drawing, all of those things, you know, the creative arts. 
and writing particularly, I used to write music and write lyrics and um, songs and always wanted to publish them. I just had this, you know, stinky little belief in my head that I couldn't, right? I was right. like, I can do all kinds of other things, but for some reason, but like I said, circumstances lined themselves up um, and opened my eyes that yes, it was, you know, Chris was really good in that respect. He was like, well, why can't you? Of course you can, right? You know, like he just has this way about him, I think, um, of being able to talk to people and sort of bring out their gifts, which which is a lovely gift for him to have. And right. It definitely helped me, yeah. Yeah, it, it's funny when you think about that because, you know, we, we are starting like a small publishing house for, our nonprofit, which is the Promethean Project, is our nonprofit. That's great. And so we're calling it Ampersand Publishing. And one, because I'm just like a hardcore fan of the symbol, and not a lot of people know it's called Ampersand. So, and it's then very two, cool. Two, it's, it's a cool symbol and a cool word. Yeah, it's inclusive. It's like and, so it could be any yeah. any kind of writing, which is the whole theory behind it. And we just started a youth uh, fantasy writing group that meets every two weeks. And that's we're gonna, wonderful. that's going to be our first book is uh, an anthology of short stories in a world that these youth got together and created the magic system and created the land structure and the, the races and the, you know, like the mythical creatures and all that stuff. And so it. we've been meeting at, uh, since October every two weeks and they've started really getting a firm grip on it. So I'm excited to see what they come up with and create a map and everything for that. Oh, that is really cool. That is so cool. Yeah. Cause I, you know, I was the same way as you, I, you know, we're working on a, I finished writing a kid's book and I'm waiting for it to be illustrated and we'll hopefully release it at some point uh, through ampersand and same thing. I love writing. I love reading. I, I like that. I consider mm-hmm. myself a bibliophile, <laughs> like hard. Nice, nice. And, um, but the same thing is like, oh, my stuff would never get published or, you know, I, I don't think I have some good ideas, but I don't know if I'd ever sit down and write them. And then mm-hmm. through the course of doing this work, it's just like, why not? Like we have the time, you can yeah. chip away at it. There's no expectation. Yes. And it's just kind of fun. So mine is uh, merging superheroes in mindfulness. It's going to be based on like a. Oh, that's so cool almost like a training room for superheroes, how to be mindful like a superhero. So. Oh, I love that. That's great. Yeah. Kids are going to love it. Yeah, I'm really excited. That's um, great. It's for kids and some adults is part of the title because it's kind of, kind of for me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Without a doubt. Yeah, I believe a, a lot of the kids mindfulness curriculum that I see out there, I feel, you know, is really perfect for adults because sometimes, you know, the curriculum that I see that's out there for adults is it's very intense. And, you know, if you're just starting out with something that's trying to space, it's awareness training, really. Um, If you become, I think, feel like too aware too fast, or you have too much knowledge of it too fast, it can become burdensome and heavy. And though some of those kids curriculums really break it down in these nice little chunks, Um, you know, it's sort of like, learning the parts of how to be aware, learning the parts of mindfulness. And then as you get a little older, you can like synthesize it and put it all together. And I think, you know, some, some adults also need that process, right? Yeah. Nothing wrong I, with it, you know? No. And I think, I think if you look at the practice of mindfulness, right? Like, I think I saw this somewhere. I can't remember. It was like this pyramid, this tier of mindfulness and that mm-hmm. 
the concept of it. It might actually have been from Chris's uh, training at Pezzi. Um, yeah, I think he has a pyramid where so it I starts wanna... out with your own practice. <laughs> right, like you starts mm-hmm. with your own practice and then you get to that pinnacle of, oh, uh, you know, your kids practice or your family practice. And, and yes, like yes. Here, so I think that's fantastic too. Still just... trying to get my kids to practice. <laughs> so hard. And I, I feel <laughs> like it might be harder just because, you know, living that life and talking about it so much they're like I don't want to do this this is your thing Mm -hmm. a lot of kids that I teach to are really jazzed by the science behind it Mm -hmm. so you know I just ordered three models of the brain like the 3d plastic Mm -hmm. models that you can take apart um because I find like they're really really into the science like I mean as am I right I'm so into the neuroscience of it and understanding the nervous system I mean that to me is also like very very magical we're doing our whole you know community curriculum is based on it I made this big floating mind out of like uh tissue paper it's like well it's watercolor uh paper with my third graders and we built it into this brain and it's hovering like over here you can't see it but it's hovering over our we call it the awareness area because it's just an easier way to say it so when you go back to this awareness area there's like a little water fountain there's plants there's this hovering watercolor mind and when you go back there the the idea is that you just sort of tune in to what's happening like listen to the pencils that are going on the tables or listen to the fountain that's there tune into you know, the greenery or whatever it is. But when you go back to this particular area in the art studio, it's that you're tuning in, tune into the bubbling in your belly or whatever it is. But when you go back there, you pick something. And I have a little sign of like, you know, hear five things, smell four things, you know, the grounding. And they go back there and sort of just train, train their awareness a little bit. And then it really, that, so they'll go and they go back there, it's self-directed. And then they'll come back to their tables and, a lot of the time they'll infuse whatever they became aware of into their creativity in some way. And it opens them up. It opens up their creativity. It opens up their pathways. That's sort of where I got this idea for pathways. You know, it it takes them in a different direction than, um, you know, if they had just stayed at the table and not tuned in Mm -hmm. to whatever they chose to tune into. It's a really interesting thing to see them do. It's really fun. Yeah, no, that makes so much sense because you know, a lot of times when you sit down to do that, some of the feedback I've had with younger kids working with them or just out of the family is one of the things they say, what should I draw or what should, what should I do? Mm -hmm. And so taking that space and kind of opening it up and and kind of, you know, just being present will allow them to kind of figure out where they need to go with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's really such a, it's really such a wonderful job that I have, um, I have to say, like, I really, I really feel so blessed and lucky to teach kids a creative medium, you know, to teach them visual art, but then to also be able to bring science into it and awareness and mindfulness and have it all weave together. So, so well, um, I really see a benefit. Yeah. And I think it's important because I think if you just try to teach those things individually, it can become Mm -hmm. really dry and people will kind of step back from it and say, well, I don't want to learn this. I don't want to learn this. But if you can kind of create a connection and bring, like you said, bring that awe into what yes. they're doing. It's so, yes. we were just talking about outer space the other day. And now there's this fascination of black holes in my house. <laughs> totally. You know, it's like, so cool. oh, let's, let's explore this concept and watch videos that kind of talk about them and, you mm-hmm. know, generate this stuff. And it, it's come into creative play of, 
uh, we've been doing a lot of dragon playing at my house and so I couldn't yeah, use dragons my for Halloween. Oh, nice. Very yeah. cool. Um, I couldn't use my sword the other day because it got absorbed in the black hole, which came out of nowhere. So nice. like, yeah. <laughs> that's great. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So I think that's really the way in and, you know, having our own families to, to kind of do that with is eventually they'll, they'll get there, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and teaching through art I mean, my students are so insightful sometimes they say things to me that just it like blows my mind like things that I have I have felt these things but haven't had the thought how to string the words together to describe things right and then my students were blurted out and I'm like gosh you know like you're so insightful um yeah. and they they we have a we have a Quaker educator and she she's really good at teaching like emotional granularity like a lot of feeling words and so you know they come they come to this mind and she does a lot of mindfulness also with with their students and so they come to me and we do these practices and we do these creative projects and they bring to it you know a depth sometimes that that I was even like un unprepared for, you know, right. um, talking about how, you know, drawing the line is helping them work through whatever happened at recess or, um, you know, they have an angry line and now it's calm. And, you know, I, I, I see them self-employ a lot of these things, which is great. It's not always teacher directed. So, right. you know, I know that it, I know that it's getting in there and I know that it's, um, and really helping them. So it's really cool. Yeah, no, it's, it's very cool. And I think it's discounted by a lot of people a lot of times, just how insightful younger kids and adolescents can be because there's so much going on and you only see a surface level of it because maybe mm -hmm. they don't feel comfortable sharing it or, you know, it's it's Absolutely. all underneath. But uh, I've had some amazing sessions where I literally have left and I was like, maybe I should pay that kid for yeah. the session instead of their insurance paying for me because there's so much insight. Um, yeah, that's where this comes from. Yeah, I, I feel very, very, very lucky. Yeah, that's yeah. great. So I have two final questions for the podcast. I end every podcast with these two questions. They're superhero okay. related. So uh, okay, cool. it all fits into the narrative. And so you can answer however you want. But here are the two questions. The first is, if you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? And then the second is, what do you believe your true superpower is? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> okay, so if I could have any superpowers, wait, I want to just say I want to fly because I think that would be so cool. But I also am a person that comes from a place of service. So I need, it needs to be, uh, maybe if I could fly around and help, help with healing in some way, you know, whether it's people's emotional healing or physical healing. I definitely would want to be able to fly and do that. And that's what makes it super. There are lots of people who are all kinds of healers um, and lots of different professions, but not, we don't really get to fly. So that would be yeah. a superpower I would want to have. Yeah. Flying art. That'd be awesome. Yeah. You could paint in real life like a light weaver. Oh, yeah. Yes, please. That would be so amazing. <laughs> nice. And then yeah. what, do, what would you say your, your true superpower is? Oh, um, hmm. I would like to think that it, it is bringing awe and confidence to kids in a creative way that they like to keep coming back to and, and helping them on the path of self-discovery. 
yeah that's awesome very thanks cool. <laughs> are there any things you have going on that you want our listeners to know about or anything that's coming up um we got the two books which we'll do a shout out at the end too to remind people but anything besides that any challenges yeah. or anything uh no no challenges in the works right now although you know uh, i'll probably call chris later and say hey we should probably do a new challenge um so yeah we'll probably do some more challenges and um we are writing another book together nice. um yeah actually one definitely and then another one i think that we're gonna embark on so there'll just be more and more coming which awesome. i'm so so excited and grateful for <laughs> yeah no that's great and so the tea you have coming out is uh, the life of, of the crayon, which will yeah. be out next year. Is that what it's Yeah, next like? year. And that's illustrated by Holly Clifton Brown, who also illustrated the Alpha Breaths. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, she's, she's a fabulous illustrator. And then um, the other one is Feelings Are Like Farts. And yet, <laughs> so yet TBD for illustrator, but I cannot wait to see what what arises for that. It. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, are you okay if I use that as the name of this episode? Is feelings are like farts. Is that is that something sure. doable? <laughs> Why not? It might, it might be weird to share, but we're we're broaching the subject before the book comes out. So we'll test the waters here on the podcast yeah. and see see what the mm -hmm. response looks like. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, definitely it's definitely going to be a fun, fun book for sure. Well thank you so much for meeting with us and sharing all that and oh, it's my pleasure. having Thank a having deep conversation on creativity and mindfulness. I really appreciate all that you're doing. And then hopefully you gave the third graders some, some good viewing as they were having <laughs> their snack. Yeah. Oh yeah. They were, they're gone now. Um, yeah, I was going to say you can, I'll be posting all along of our community project on the Instagram. If anybody wants to follow it's mindfulness creative for the weaving with light, I'm going to be, um, but we're going to get a new loom for this one because it may end up just staying on the loom like as a frame. Right. Um, it's going to be interactive too, which is cool. The fiber optic cables will, if you snap or talk at them, they light up differently. Oh, so very it's cool. Not like the synapses in your brain. It's, yeah. yeah. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. No, it's really awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's a really cool concept and a way to kind of do visual um, art in the sense of like, okay, we don't know what the synapses in the brain's really are doing inside the brain, but this is a good representation to kind of play. Around. Yeah, and hopefully it'll light some some passions in kids to maybe follow a, a science career path or you know whatever. But you know, I think it'll I think it'll open up some pathways. Yeah. But I'm bummed. There's okay. a lot of puns in there. Light the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Open up some pathways. It <laughs> yeah. Works out great. Well, thank you again. I'm so excited Thanks. to have you on. I appreciate it. Everything. Thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be on the podcast, please outreach to us at info at thepromethianproject.org. If you want to learn more about the Promethean Project or if you would like to donate to our cause, you can reach us at thepromethianproject.org. If you really do enjoy this podcast, please share with your friends like our posts on social media and instagram and on facebook and please leave us a review on apple podcasts or any podcast app that you like to listen to again thank you for taking a listen and remember that the most important step is always the next one